Hello, and welcome to what I believe is the 100th episode of Blizzard Watch. Woo-hoo! Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two simply amazing co-hosts. They're going to be just as excited as I am. Actually, they'll be more excited. Well, okay, and might be more excited. I'm thinking Alex. Uh, first up, because I mentioned him, and because I usually go with Ann first, Alex Zebart. What are you going to do with Alex? Are you excited about the 100th episode? Uh, well, while you're doing your woohoo, I felt it was really awkward to like leave you doing that on your own. So I was desperately searching my desk for something I could use as an improvised instrument, and uh, I came up empty. So I just left you hanging. Sorry about that. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, excited? Yeah, too? I guess. Hundred. I mean, hundred weeks seems ludicrous. I don't. It doesn't feel like we've been doing that long. But I guess we're coming up on like two years of Blizzard Watch, which is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, it really is kind of amazing that we've been doing this as much as we have, as many times as we have. Which, yeah, between um, this sh- between this show and other shows that have happened, we have recorded a lot of us talking about video games. Yeah, I don't know why people listen to it. You guys should turn this off. Bye. Alex Ebart is not the best at selling your podcast. <laughs> uh, also with us, however, um, basically the backbone of this this whole endeavor at this point records it sometimes streams it does everything uh and stickney what do you feel for our, our 100th anniversary Anne? technically it's not our 100th anniversary because we had two bonus episodes from blizzcon and we didn't count them in the numerical order of things yeah those don't count bonus episodes yeah. never count. oh okay all right well then yay 100 episodes i'm so happy <laughs> Woo! Okay, if at this point I'm going to get excited for 102 if we had to count those. 102, that's a good number too. I don't know why it's crazy. Did we do did we do a bonus episode at last year's BlizzCon? I think we did one, but I don't oh. know if we counted it with the numerics or not. I I don't remember. I remember one where I had to get up real early and like well or real late, I forget which, but I had to get up and talk to you guys while you were there, but I don't know if that was this year or last year. No, that Look, wasn't this year. That must have been last year. Numbers are just a suggestion. 100, 105, it doesn't matter. Let's Basically, celebrate. we've been doing this for a very long time and we still haven't invested in a set of kazoos. What is up with that? We need to have a word with Adam. Uh, I feel we'll like just... the kazoo, the kazoo is off someplace with the Kraken. The Kraken is playing the kazoo, most likely, waiting to be released again, wondering why it never gets released anymore. Like, I'm it. like mental image of a Kraken playing the kazoo bit from the Pandaren in theme, and it's cracking me up. I can hit <laughs> pens <laughs> together <laughs> like some kind of instrument. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that, that doesn't at sound all. at all triumphant, Alex. <laughs> Sorry. I can hit pens together. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, okay. Yeah, since we're talking about that, that's a big deal, and we're pretty, you know, we're all, I know I am at least, and I'm sure these guys are too, we're all happy to be here and doing this, especially for 100 episodes, that's pretty amazing. And I'm happy that people enjoy listening to us talk about video games and internet dragons and this, that, the other, and you two arguing with each other and throwing Mitch into pools, so, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, today's, you know, I'll say this much, something we don't usually talk about too much on the show, but... I, if you're not listening to the Patreon pre-show, I really feel bad because you missed some of the weirdest, <laughs> best conversations today. Today's discussion of regional food—I mean, we've got—it's got everything. It's got action. It's got pathos. It's got Alex denied things with spam in them. It's got everything. So it's got you know, berserker meat strength. Berserker meat strength, which you know, I, I honestly have. Look, I, I think I might literally collapse from sauerkraut deprivation if I don't get some in me soon. Okay, okay. that's all I, I'm saying. I don't know how that'll work. I'm okay. I'm really 
happy that this week's is weird stuff because the past couple of weeks have been like technical issue type stuff, but yeah, the technical uh, issues have been ironed out now. So now we can get back as if by magic. We we can get back to the back down to the serious business of being really weird <laughs> in the pre-show. And I appreciate that. I, I will say this for, you know, for a podcast that is ostensibly about games Blizzard puts out, we managed to talk about those quite a bit and I'm I'm happy for us. But some of my favorite conversations on the pre-show have been stuff like, you know, Berserker meat strength. Or or I think one of my favorites is still the day Alex decided to explain to us what, what the frozen yogurt was all about. Uh, do you remember that one, Alex? Was it frozen yogurt or frozen, frozen custard? Yogurt. Frozen custard. custard. Yeah. Frozen custard. The frozen custard discussion is epic. If you ever get a chance to hear that sucker, you should do so. It's really just, just get Alex going about frozen custard. So. Only but, losers eat ice cream. Before we do risk that happening, um, we should probably talk about some actual news. The only thing I could think of to talk about was Diablo Season 9, so I'm hoping you guys have some stuff. But uh, the Season 9 rewards for Diablo are out, so you get to look at those and decide if you want to try and get through another season Diablo. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, the only thing I'm looking forward to in Diablo is um, the the Tristam stuff, the original Diablo. The the anniversary event. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me right now. I feel like they need to do something else for Diablo this year or I'm going to just stop playing it. I'm sure there are people who are excited about these season rewards. Every time they announce a new season, I look at them like, why would that compel me to play? <laughs> like, if I'm, I'll play if I feel like playing, but those rewards are not good enough to be, like, the reason I play. But maybe people who really like those rewards feel differently. and Maybe uh, I'm just a poopy pants. I don't know. Um, in addition to Diablo... They finally announced Zul'jin for Heroes of the Storm. That's He's, not an ex, that's not an announcement I saw coming. Um, I think like Varian, he was one of those that was shown off when they first announced Heroes when it was like Blizzard Dota or whatever, or maybe it was Blizzard All Stars era. I it don't was remember. Blizzard All Stars. It was no, I don't think it was ever Blizzard Dota. It was Blizzard Dota when they first announced it. Because they never they actually got released it. Yeah, they got they got the lawsuit with Valve over Dota. I just I remember it was Blizzard All Stars for a while, and then it was like, nope, never mind, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, it was Blizzard Dota briefly, and then they got into a fight with Valve about the Dota terminology, and then they went, okay, we're gonna go Blizzard All Stars, and they went, never mind, we're doing Heroes of the Storm. Then they launched Heroes of the Storm. Anyway, Zildjian is one of those original, like untextured, unfinished heroes they showed off in that big batch with Varian, and Varian only just came out like years later. And now Zul'jin is coming out. And it was less, like, super surprising for people who've been following Heroes and more, oh my god, finally. (laughs) Because he's one of those that people have been like, when is he showing up? And uh, What does he do? He's he's a troll, essentially. Well, Uh, yes, I know that. And I also know that inexplicably he has both arms and both eyes in the Heroes of the Storm version. Apparently the the Nexus restores things. All the WoW players who have mostly played WoW or Warcraft 3 are like, why isn't he missing an arm? It's because it's Warcraft 2, Zul'jin. Oh, Warcraft 2. Okay. All right. He's only missing an arm in WoW. And he's it's really, from what I understand, and I admit I don't understand a lot about it, but from what little I get of it, it's basically they took a troll unit from Warcraft 2, and that's what he does. Kind of, yeah. He's a, he's a troll axe thrower. He increases his attack speed based on how much health he's missing. So it's kind of a high-risk, high-reward in that you kind of want to be low health to do more damage, but you're easily murderified that way. Though uh, one of his ultimates, which I think is the one called Tazdingo, he becomes invulnerable for four seconds. So he can't be killed for four seconds. So ideally, you want to pop it at low health, 
get four seconds of going absolutely nuts, dealing tons of damage, and nobody can kill you. And if you kill everybody else, you can come out with it with one HP left. And then he has the troll regeneration ability, like the troll's blood thing, where he can regen like 25% of his health or something like that. So, Do you guys um, remember when the trolls originally had the re- regeneration thing, like back in vanilla, and it was like two yes. health per second or something? Yeah, which was cool <laughs> at like level one. I know. Stop level one. <laughs> but there was like this whole thing on the floor. I, there was some guy who was like, you'll never stop me because I'm regenerating health, two health per second. And it, it was like a big thing for a while. Maybe that was just on my server that I happened to be on at the time. I don't know. But um, yeah, Zuljin looks fun. Uh, the only gripe is people are like, oh great, it's another assassin. Because all Heroes of the Storm ever seems to add is more assassins. Um, the occasional warrior. But it's mostly assassins. Everyone's like, come on, we need more healers. We need more tanks. We need anything but more assassins. I still want them to bring in Lucio. I think that Lucio would be a really cool healer addition. I am never giving up on Deckard Kane. I, I think that he'd be a really cool support addition to Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, I'm, I actually now I want both Lucio and Deckard Kane because at some point during a battle I want to hear a microphone click in and hear "Stay a while and listen, listen, listen" as Lucio turns Deckard Kane into a dubstep. Oh, let's drop the beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that'd be great. Deckard's I, I also it's backwards. No one knows how he got it. Lucio's like, dude, no one does that anymore. I don't care. Uh, I would be interested in seeing Lucio and Heroes just to see like how they differentiate him from other supports or like mix and match because. If he heals mostly for like an aura that's kind of like Brightwing, but he doesn't have anything like Brightwing's attacks, and like Morales has a knockback and Lucio has a knockback, so would it, he just be like parts from others, or would they differentiate him? I would, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him just see how they do it. I, yeah, I just, I think that he would be like a really, depending on how they worked him in there, it, it just, it feels like out of all of the Overwatch cast, he would make a really good addition. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, We also had, obviously, Christmas was on Sunday and a bunch of stuff happened. Overwatch. If you have Overwatch and you haven't logged in since then, you should. Because they gave everybody five free loot boxes, which I thought was pretty cool. Did you guys get your loot boxes? Yes, and I got a legendary Widowmaker skin out of the boxes for the (gasps) game I haven't played in months. Which one did you get? Uh, Huntress Widowmaker, where she's got like the cool black suit or whatever. Dude! I got um I got Scrooge McCree, which I was happy about. And then I also got the Zarya emote where she's like looking through the gift boxes and then she finds a teddy bear and she squeezes its poor little head off. I thought that was great. <laughs> I liked um the Overwatch France Twitter account tweeted uh, that Zarya animation in the loop. So yes. she never gets to the teddy bear. She's just opening boxes well, forever. There's three different there's three different loops to the emote, right? There's one where she just keeps opening box after box after box after box. And I kept expecting them to get smaller, like the dolls, like the nesting dolls. Yeah. But no, it was just the same size box over and over and over. And eventually she just sort of chucks it in disgust. And then in the uh, the second loop, she pulls out the teddy bear and gives it this long squeeze hug and its head pops off and she's just kind of like, aww. And then the third one, she pulls out a robot that's making all kinds of noises and she like makes a face at it and just like flings it to the ground. <laughs> it smashes into pieces. Zarya does not have a very good Christmas. It's like a mini Omnic. <laughs> she doesn't like the mini Omnic. Which is understandable, because, you know, the whole second right. Omnic Crisis thing going on. It's like, that's a terrible present for Zarya. Poor Zarya. Anyway, um, 
And then I got a couple of sprays and a couple of skins, like color variation skins that I didn't have, but nothing super exciting. Oh, yeah. and I got uh, Hanzo's wolf skin, which I didn't oh, have, nice. the white wolf one. I didn't have that one yet. So. Yeah, pretty much everything in my boxes was terrible except for that skin, which made it worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, and they were free, so whatever. They were free. I'm not going to complain. Um, but yeah, so that that went on. Um, I don't remember what else is going on. I right mean, now, typical Wintervale and WoW. If you're playing WoW, it's Wintervale. Yeah, if you haven't opened your presents under the tree, you should open your presents because Maze Blaster is in there and it's super cool. I love that thing. Um, along with the usual array of other gifts, there is uh, that the half off pet and mount sale is still going on right now, and I don't know how long that's going through. I think probably the end of the week. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna it, as far as I know, it's till January fourth, but I'm not, I could be wrong on that. Okay. One. But anyway, I do know that it's up. I've actually used it. I bought my wife um, a mount and a pet, and it's it's actually you know it's pretty good prices. It's it's there's some of the bundles are also discounted. Yeah. So if you want to get like Argy and the mount at the same time, it's like seventeen bucks for the whole thing. I got I got the Mystic Rune Saber mount because I didn't have that one yet, and then yeah. Mischief the cat isn't on sale, but. The proceeds, all the proceeds for Mischief go to Make-A-Wish through the end of the year. And since the end of the year is, what, Sunday? I think Sunday is January 1st. Yes, um, So right. yep. you have until then to buy Mischief and have the proceeds actually go to Make-A-Wish. You can still buy Mischief after that. It's just the proceeds won't go to Make-A-Wish anymore. So um, you might want to get that done early. Just saying. Yeah. He's a cute little bugger, too. All right. Well, I guess that moves us on to emails then. Uh as is always the case, if you have an email, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. And they can be on pretty much any topic. Um, we tried to get in a wide assortment. Right now, I think we got things are still pretty heavily Legion-oriented, but occasionally we get one for something else. Um, please you know, send it to the podcast as opposed to Lore Watch if you can. That helps us differentiate out what it's for, which show you want it to be No, on. you want to send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, not the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know I said podcast at blizzardwatch.com. I just mean put podcast in the subject line yes yeah or put put blizzard watch podcast in the subject line or something yeah something to let us know it's not for lore watch because you, you guys sometimes you send us lore questions and i don't know what show they're for <laughs> but anyway uh ann usually does this for us and she's going to do it for us now uh if you don't mind uh yeah okay so our first email has it has spoilers for the death knight class hall campaign so I guess if you haven't done that one and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe come back in about 10 minutes. But we're going to talk about it anyway because it's been out since, what, July, August, somewhere in there? Yeah, August. It's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. So we're going to talk about it. Anyway, I'll this just, is from... I'll just say straight up, I'm in the middle of doing this and I know what happens. So okay. Well, this is, this is from uh, Dark Bite. He's an unholy death knight on Area 52 who says... With patch 7.2, we're all supposed to team up with the other class alls for the Tomb of Sargeras, but I fear the Paladins may make it a bit awkward with the Death Knights. We, Death Knights, aren't all that bad. We really, All we really did was walk in the Paladin class hall and try to take the body of their former leader so he could raise his body and use his years of knowledge and experience as the Fourth Horseman. We didn't even try to take any weapons off their walls. 
Do you think there will be a lot of class tension between certain classes in 7.2 and how they treat the other class leaders, such as the Holy Light lovers trying to start fights or insulting the Death Knights, who just wanted to recycle Tyrion Fordring's body instead of just letting him rot in a casket? In hindsight, I guess we could have bought a bottle of wine as a gift and called before we arrived, but we will make up for our rudeness when we send waves of undead ghouls as cannon fodder for the demons so the paladins and other classes can use the back door to the Tomb of Sargeras. Sincerely, Darkbite. I don't know about, like, like there's a lot of actual interclass stuff in some of the campaigns. Others don't. Like, Warriors, for instance, got nothing. I mean, Alex can attest to this. Yeah. yeah. War- warriors don't don't interact with anybody. The Warrior campaign used to be the longest by a lot because yeah. it's all, it had nothing to do with anybody else. But I've been doing the Death Knight one, and here's the Death Knight one in a nutshell. Every so often, the Lich King calls me up on my brain and tells me to go do something, and it's usually pretty horrible. So um, here's my question, because you have the Death Knight, right? Yep. Okay, so the the, the Lich King has you on brain speed dial, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Does does the Chandelier also have you on brain speed dial? Uh, yes, I do occasionally get calls from, from her as well. But okay. she's a completely different thing. She's have you considered just... conferencing the two of them together just to see what happens? Well, she'd be telling him a lot about how great Illidan was, and then he'd be like... <laughs> No, Illidan was insufficiently ruthless. <laughs> so I don't know. Those those two, you know, he only did what he had to do for the good of all. He should have crushed everyone. I'm just wondering, him. like, if the light is supposedly really harmful to the undead and everything, how does the chandelier talk to Forsaken or Death Knights without, you know, torching them? Well, quite well, frankly, I mean, I, it seems to hurt everybody when she talks to them. Yeah, my warrior didn't seem. There's to a lot be of head clutching. Like no, they... was it like after the first time you woke up and Cadgar's like you've been unconscious for like a month. And you're like what? <laughs> wow, it's a good thing you're awake. We thought for sure you were dead. Did the seal keep you company? Because there's yeah. a seal. Yeah, the seal there for everybody. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. In terms of this whole the quest they're talking about, basically. Uh, for people who actually want to know, who who's like, I'll never play a Paladin or I'll never play a Death Knight. If you play a Paladin, you don't even get to see this. This is purely in the Death Knight starting hall, uh, starting quest, like the, the, the class horror. You basically get various people up from the, from the dead. Um, I'm just going to give you the spoilers now. Uh, so here they come. First, he sends you out to Orgrimmar, where you rip the body of, you know, beloved leader, General Nazgrim, from its eternal rest and, and force him to be your first horseman. So, so Nazgrim is now not not only is he denied the eternal honorable rest of an orc who died, you know, honorably fighting for his leader, he's forced to battle demons, you know, as an undead monstrosity forever. That's that's guy number one. Then we decide to go to Arathi, and there's a whole bit in Arathi where you find out that G- Galen uh, Trollbane killed his own father. That's why his father died. Wow. Yeah. And then he's he's crazy evil. He he even broke away from Sar- from Sylvanas. He's like just uh, he's got troll he's got um, troll killer you know troll killer, and he wants you to get it back for him. And he's going to like then he's like I will let you raise my father if you do this for me. So I go and kill a whole bunch of ogres and trolls for him, and he he of course breaks his word because he's evil. So I have to kill him, and then I have to raise his father from the dead. So that's the second horseman. Third horseman I have to go to Scarlet Monastery, and that's where I'm fi- I find out that I'm raising Sally Whitemane from the dead. Oh, neat. Yeah, so now that's my third horseman, Sally Whitemane. My fourth horseman is supposed to be Tyrion Vordering. Yeah, you, so you go to Light's Hope with an army basically saying, yeah, we're, we're taking him. And the Palins are like, no, you are not. And when you try and do it, just again, spoiler here, Darian Fordring dies. Not not Darian Fordring, sorry, Darian Mograine dies. 
he gets blown up by the light trying to do this. Isn't he already? Yeah, but now he's real dead. Oh, okay. Double now dead. he's super, super but, mega plus. But that doesn't matter to the Lich King, who's like, okay, we couldn't get Fordring. Raise, raise Mograine. So now Darian, Fort, Darian Mograine is the fourth horseman. So he's... He's a double... Un, he's a he's double, undead, like, undead. Yeah, he's an undead, undead, undead. He's like he's like a triple stacker. Uh, so yeah, that's the four horsemen for you. And and you do this, you you lead the attack on Lightope yourself. So yeah, the paladins probably would have a problem. But again, there are all those demons. So I'm willing to bet that the paladins are like we'll talk about this later. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, didn't, didn't work too. You know, to think about it, the I just finished the warlock uh, class hall chain. The warlocks don't deal with anybody but warlocks which in hindsight it seems weird because like given what we're up against you think people would want the warlocks like help you'd think the warlocks in death and demon hunters would have a thing they don't cross over at all like warlocks like, like it's completely insular you don't deal with anybody but other warlocks all world npcs you don't go to other class halls you don't talk to people of other classes i can recall Far as and I it know, really seems like people would want some warlock expertise in what's going no, on why would they want to talk to you they've got demon hunters they're the new hotness they're going to go talk to those guys. Wow. They're cool elves. <laughs> accurate, but painful. Uh, uh, I, well, if they're demon hunters, hopefully I can just enslave them and also make them my pet. But it's funny because I think rogues stay more, more or less to themselves. Rogues actually have a fascinating campaign. Don't you talk I'm, about that because I'm in I'm the middle not, of it. All I'm saying is that it's fascinating. I'm not saying what it is. Okay. Rogues apparently stay to themselves as far as I can tell. If there as, is, As if far as I know, because I'm like about halfway... Halfway through it? Yeah. No, I'm maybe like a third of the way halfway through it. But we haven't really talked to anybody else. No, we're just like kind of doing our own shady little things. Shaman shaman are very locked in on the whole, you know, elements and chaos thing. Druids are, druids are the same way. They're just, they're like off doing druid things. So I think the ones, the only ones I know of that interlock like that are the priest and paladin ones are very close. Yeah. Um, they deal with like the same basic thing. Well, they both work with the light, so I guess that's kind of appropriate. And the paladin death knight one is basically just death on a death knight side. If you played a paladin, you would know nothing about it. You would. It's see. like it's like Battle of Lights Hope Part Two or something. The yeah, sequel. It's, <laughs> it, it, is, it is yet another example of like you know somebody the Lich King having a really bad idea involving Lights Hope. You know, it's like someone needs to tell if you're wearing that hat, you don't send people there. It does not work. That hat, you don't go there. It's just no. Because I think. Um... Hunters also have some crossover, but it's only like only hunters see it. Like I think they help people from some of the other class halls, but the other classes don't see the hunter stuff. Yeah, I haven't I, gotten that far yet either. I've helped out, I've helped out some of the high mountain people, but that's as far as I've gotten with Hattie. So obviously, I need to keep working on this thing. But yeah, I think they're all kind of isolated. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's I'm interested in seeing what happens with the where we all come together, what the interaction is going to be between the various classes, because everybody has been off doing their own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean? Warlocks managed to enslave the Eridar twins. So as far as I'm concerned, the other classes aren't necessary. Y'all can go home. The warlocks <laughs> got this. The Eridar twins? Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> they're working for you now, huh? Yeah. They're the last follower you get. Like the second half of the class hall, like story is you building up to being able to capture them. Because they did some no, unkind I, I things to one of your people. I don't know how to put this any d- d- delicately, so I'll just say it. I'm not impressed. Now, the Eridar you, twins, man. They're cool. Yeah. Had you shown up with, say, 
and Tropius and told me you'd enslaved him, then I'd be impressed because he was the guild killer. The Aradar twins were the loot pinatas. Also, I killed a pit lord and strung his remains up over my altar. Whoopi Garrosh did that. Well, actually, he didn't actually kill the pit, just strung his remains up. Yeah, Garrosh just, like, took his daddy's leftovers and wore them as shoulders. But, you know, you you kill a pit lord in the warrior starting thing just, you know, just to meet your friends. That's just how you guys bond. It's like, yeah, hey. Yeah, but you also die. No, you don't. Not if you take a second wind anyway. You're fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you're supposed <laughs> you, to die. You but... heal up the full and you're standing there going, yeah, can I just get up? I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But, yeah, anyway. I think Ian's right um, in that, you know, basically what we want to see is what will happen. But I don't think the I think the idea is that even if you did have beef with like another faction, like if the if Paladins and Death Knights wanted to, you know, give each other grief over something, there is that whole army of demons over there. So it's kind of like the thing we should be paying attention to right now is, oh, that army of demons. We should probably kill that. Yeah. The Horden Alliance may not be able to get their stuff together long enough to go. Oh, yeah. Army of demons. But the the class order halls with the whole thing about them was that they are, in fact, focused on that. So I don't think it'll be a problem. I think it's kind of interesting the way this is being presented, where it feels like because we're all coming together as like individual class halls, right? It's just the classes working, you know, kind of amongst themselves, and they aren't really paying attention to faction lines or faction leaders. It feels like this whole faction divide thing is a product of those faction leaders. But since we're working outside them, it doesn't matter anymore. That's Yeah, I, I guess that is, in fact, something weird getting set up in the game. Yeah, it's just, it. I don't know. It feels odd to me. It's like, oh, okay. So this expansion is kind of, in a way, sort of acknowledging the fact that the artificial there's an artificial divide there, yeah. and that artificial divide is kind of dictated by our faction leaders and nobody else. It's like, uh, let's just, just give everybody a different name, and suddenly they can be friends. But if you call them the Alliance of the Horde, suddenly they're not friends anymore. It's weird. Well, I mean, lost. that's one of the things about, like... They've, there are systems in place in the game since, you know, for years now where you get around the faction divide. There's real ID slash battle tags slash, you know, the, the what was it called? The um, the mercenary thing in PvP? Mercenary, yeah, mercenary mode or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there isn't, we know there's an interest and we know there's an ability to get around those divides. I know they'll always be preserved in the game to some degree because they're inherently part of World of Warcraft to a degree. You're never going to want to get rid of the idea of, you know, the Alliance and the Horde as concrete entities. But I wouldn't mind it if the Alliance and the Horde didn't necessarily interact with my daily life all that much. It wouldn't bug me that bad if I just constantly went to neutral cities and didn't didn't dicker with those people. But, you know, we are what we are. Okay, so our next email is from buckweister from earthen ring who says hello fellow blizzard fans buckweister from earthen ring us on podcast episode 99 you all address the kieran tours like the wind quest aka dashing through the air first let's address Aunt anna no Anne, not anna Anne's question the goal of the quest is to dash through the final ring purple transparent spheres recharge the dash ability instantly what while fire spheres reset you back to the starting point or last checkpoint. Purple crystals launch you high into the air, and in some puzzles, white planes act like walls to force a specific pathway. Overall, this world quest is either a hit or miss in terms of difficulty and can't be bypassed like Enigmatic, i.e. with a screenshot, or Barrels of Fun, i.e. mouse over macro to place a marker over the flashing barrel. Thanks for the show, but just wanted to share personal insights on that difficult world quest. Okay, so now we know more about that like the wind. A 
question. But yeah. No, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a question at all. Um, however, even knowing those things, I still don't think I want to do that world quest. First off, I mean, it's great that he knows all that, but he, uh, how did you know that? Did you work how it out? How did you figure it out? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like, nothing there to indicate it to they you. They give me the quest and they're just like, go ahead, have fun, jump up in the air. Like, I, I get that some people are will just sit there and do these kind of things till they figure it all out. But it's like, for me, that's, I play like for an hour or two a day. Like that's, and maybe I'll play like more on a raid night, but I, I'm, I'm the most I let myself play is an hour or two because I want to keep it somewhat casual here. And I'm not spending 15 minutes of an hour of my gameplay learning how to do this quest. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's a significant chunk of my time that that's, that's spent, you know, hopping up in the air and, oh, I hit the fire sphere. Oh, back over here. Like, was I supposed to end up back over here? Okay, I'm trying it again. This time I'll avoid the fire spear. Oh, no, I just fell. Okay, I, I guess. No, dash ability wasn't up. Should have hit that purple. It's just like, really? I, I have no idea. So, great, but. Yeah, it's like in a in a world of gameplay options, and when you open your map, you have plenty of them with world quests. Uh, I come across this one. I'm like, this uh, mini. Like, I get it's a mini game, and some people probably like it, but I don't. So I'm gonna go do something else. Yeah, that's pretty much my whole interpretation of it. Is just if I happen to see that one on the map, I'll just kind of ignore it and pretend it's not there, and go nowhere near it. Yeah, like, I'm not going to say, Blizzard, you shouldn't have added this, because I, I, mean, I think that's a bit strong, but I can say I'm not going to do this. I can say that they shouldn't have added it without sufficient explanation or a tutorial on how to do it. Because the, I mean, just getting an email that explains what the little doodads do, okay, that's great. We had to get an email to understand what the little doodads do, you guys. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't. It should be when you walk up to that guy, he tells you what the various things are. Maybe runs you through a tutorial, although I think a tutorial is kind of like overblown for a world quest. You know, I have done quests in WoW that are just as weird and confusing as this one, and they've actually had the instructions appear on screen for me. Yeah. Do you remember that ridiculously painful one down in Valshara where you're trying to like capture like a seahorse and then ride the seahorse around? Yes. That told you exactly what arrows to push and when to push them. Oh, um... Not Velshara, uh, Vashir. Yeah, Vashir. Vashir. Yes. You, you remember that thing? That that quest was yeah. confusing and, and, you know, non-intuitive, but the quest explained itself to me. Lean right, now lean left. Yeah. yeah. Oh, up, now, now down, down, down. It's like, what? It kind of oh. guided you through it. And yeah, um, Red Hawk in the chat channel says, the NPC does tell you you need to hit certain things and avoid others, just not which is which. Yeah, I understand that, but if the NPC isn't being specific then I'm not liable to even listen to the NPC. Like, if he's not saying anything that appears to be valuable information beyond maybe you shouldn't hit some things. Okay, well, that's um, cool, but can you clarify that a little more, dude? I think the problem is more with, like, uh, like, not necessarily tutorializing, but I think there's a net, like, if the difficulty curve is right, you shouldn't need a tutorial. Like, introducing the elements in a simplified way and then moving up to something more complex, whereas yeah. this just throws you into the complex full puzzle. Right. So, like, if, if it had more meat to it, and it wasn't just, like, here's a world quest in the middle of nowhere, like, you would have that curve where you can kind of figure it out organically. Did you guys, like, did any, like, anybody listen to this, or you either of you two, did either of you two play Fallout 4 at all? Yes, a lot. Do you remember there was a DLC for Fallout 4 where you went off to an island, uh, Far Harbor? I didn't do the DLC. Okay. There's a part in that DLC where they throw you into a virtual reality simulation after you've been playing 
you know, I live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland for like 50 something levels. They throw you into a VR simulation where you have to like blow up certain cubes and move certain cubes in certain directions. And it's basically Minecraft inside a computer. And I got through that fine without anybody, without any real tutorial because they introduce the difficulty elements sequentially and in order of complexity. So as things get harder, that's they they introduce the elements to make it harder. That's how they do it. And you pick it up. You're like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to do this now. That quest, the quest we're talking about, like the wind, doesn't provide you any of that. It just sort of, I mean, yes, it will introduce more elements, but it doesn't do so in such a way that it leads me to the next element. It's, it's sort just of like um, the Proving Grounds when they originally came out. Um, the ones in Pandaria, where it had the different mobs that explained, like, it would introduce the little mobs, and as you were killing them, it would let you, the, the little NPC would explain what those mobs do. And eventually it would ramp up in difficulty where you would have several of each different type of mob out there. But it yeah, ramped so, up. It just, it ramped up. It didn't just slam you in the middle of all of it and say, yeah, kill all these things. Yeah, so I guess And my avoid position, some of the stuff that they do. <laughs> uh, my position, I guess, is that, like, as a world quest, it's bad. But if it was, like, a larger thing with a larger purpose and it had levels where you kind of organically learned how to do stuff. Yeah. That'd be fine. But as a world quest where it just throws you into the complexity and like figure it out all at once, you're like, uh, what? Again, I think I think you guys have both already said this. If people like it, that's great. I mean, if you if you're having a good time with it, if it's not a problem for you, if you love puzzles and you're figuring it out fine, cool. Uh, I don't think any of us want us to take it away from you, but we're not going to do it. Yeah, pretty much. I tried to do the one that was out in Valtteri, and it was just as annoying. Although now I know what those white planes were. They were walls. So that's good. I mean, I have more information on that thing that I couldn't do and probably still can't do. Uh, our next email is a question from Annalise, who's a human paladin on Moonguard. Shout out Moonguard, who says, going off a question from last week about a fourth spec for classes. In the case of paladins, why not a shadow spec? Thank you for all your work. Oh, that's not a paladin. Yeah. For, for that matter, if you had a shadow spec paladin, you're doing what you did with demon hunters and warlocks because you've already got an anti-paladin type class. You've got Death Knights. You yep. want the opposite of a Paladin? Go play one of those guys. They're, they're basically thematic opposites to each other. Um, shadow spec Paladins would just be you know, anti-Paladins, and they'd just be Death Knights. And I actually think that's a good approach for some ideas for like a fourth spec. Sometimes, it's, sometimes when people have a fourth spec idea, the thing they're describing is not a fourth spec to a class that exists. It's its own class. Um, and I think in this case, that's definitely Death Knights are that. Um, the unholy Death Knight uses a lot of shadow. They also use a lot of disease. I think part of the problem is that Death Knights, the disease aspect of Death Knights, you know, makes them less. Some people don't want to play that. Like I know people who just straight up don't want to play unholy because it's just there's pustules involved. It's gross. Yeah, <laughs> Death Knights are gross. It's pretty uh, nasty. They, went, they instead of yeah, like I don't really know where that direction came from. Uh, the like iconic Death Knight, like if you're looking like Arthas. It's frost and shadow. It's very magic-y and maybe a little bit brutal. Um, I don't know where the diseases came in. That's just gross. I, I, think I get it for blood because the idea is that you're, you're doing horrible stuff to people's blood. You're controlling it and making it explode. That's so I'm right. okay with blood plague for them. But unholy really should be more about unholy and less about I made you, I made pustules and now I'm bopping them. It's just like, ugh. Every time yeah, I play that spec, it's a, it's a powerful spec and I don't understand it well enough to play it yet, but I've times i've taken to a dungeon it's been fun but it, it i don't like the the 
that particular thing. That's one of the reasons I wish Frost was stronger right now, because I like Frost as much as I, if you're a two-handed Frost player and you're upset about that, I'm with you. I kind of miss being two-handed Frost. And I, I also, I'm going to just say this, making it so that you, you reforged, uh, um, Frostmourne into two swords when fellow Malorn was a rune blade that got broken and it got reforged into itself. Just yeah. feels yeah, it feels weird. Some not... some of these artifacts kind of drove it home that Blizzard has moved pretty far from like the fantasy of some of these classes, even when they were trying to like get back to the fantasy of them. Like the Frost Death Knight, that's Arthas, man. He's walking around with a giant Frostmourne, two-handed sword, just cleaving people down. And then while they're using little two-handers or one-handers. No. Yeah, the the, That's the, not right. the the dual wield things. There were players that wanted it, and I got that. But in the case of the artifact, it really felt weird that you don't get Frostmourne. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Fro- it yeah. feels a Death Knight should have gone up there, reforged Frostmourne, and he should be wearing Frostmourne on his back. If you're gonna have the Ashbringer and the, the Doomhammer in the game as artifacts, you keep. I have no idea how you're justifying not having Frostmourne aside right. from well, it got yeah. broke. Doomhammer is another example of that. We're like, yeah, the iconic Shaman weapon is the Doomhammer. And then they go and look at like the actual, what they turned Enhancement Shaman into. They're like, oh, that doesn't work. And they have to do something weird with it to make it function in the game mechanics. Yeah, it's just make them two-handed. Okay, so you have a Doomhammer and you have an offhand that's also the Doomhammer, but it's like an elemental echo of the Doomhammer. Yeah. No. It's, you know, I mean, in terms of like the spec and class thing, the reason like Paladin's... I think Paladins really are perfect. Like I'm, I'm, you're gonna rarely hear me say good things about Paladin designs or Paladins as a class, but I think they're perfect in terms of the specs to utility ratio. They have a spec that does exactly what the spec should do, and it's it's they have protection, it's a tank. They have holy, it's a healer. They have retribution, they hit you with things, and it's perfect. It is the perfect breakdown of spec to function. Uh, it's it is. Every uh, they, I don't think there is another class that does it as well as they do. Um, even monks, they who try, have the same breakdown, but yeah. I don't think it's quite the same. Yeah, even monks who have the same basic breakdown, uh, where they have a healer, a DPS, and a tank, don't do it as you know. Like there's a lot of weird interplay between them where they feel similar. War, you know, warriors don't feel right comparatively is the way paladins do. Paladins feel very distinct. They feel like you know a prop paladin from a rep paladin from a holy paladin. Even when that holy paladin's using the the artifact that's a big two-handed hammer, they don't feel the same without feeling like different classes. It's it's really uh, I don't want to see paladins now have to try and juggle. I don't think shadow even shadow light work fine for priests, but priests have the problem then of the, their third spec doesn't do anything that makes thematic sense. Like discipline, okay, you're disciplined. What, what, no, You're the no. balance between the two. Well, that leaves you in a weird space. Yeah, it's... that's not even a thing anymore. Like, yeah. discipline is not shadowy at all anymore. And it was at one point where, like, it felt like it kind of walked the line. They totally got rid of that. Well, I mean, discipline for the longest time was about you know bubbles, really. I mean, let's be honest. That's what discipline was about. Absorption healing, yeah. And, and it the still station. kind of is, but in an awkward way. Yeah, they they tried that thing during the beta. Mitch was playing discipline for us in dungeon groups, and he wasn't the healer of the group, but he was in this weird position where he could like do a lot of backup healing, but it, its DPS wasn't there. And I don't, I, I can't tell you how well it did. If you're playing discipline right now, you'd know a lot more than I do about how it's doing right now. But I remember how awkward it felt. Like they couldn't figure out what they wanted discipline to be, and it, it's some specs. I don't know. I don't know if they ever got it right. Um, I feel like. 
listening to Anne and Alex talk about rogues, they still haven't quite worked out how to do subtly versus assassination. They, they don't seem... It's a whole trifecta thing, honestly. Um, Outlaw feels pretty good right now because it's brand new, but and it has like some cool flashy abilities to it. It's just for me, I don't know about subtlety because I don't really play subtlety all that much. Um, but I know for assassination, it just it's not it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's the same thing. It's always been <laughs> like it's getting kind of dull. You know, there's been nothing to kind of make it more interesting at all. Alex, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, we had most of this conversation last week. We're kind yeah. of rehashing, so. But yeah, I think we're I think we're in agreement that Shadow for Paladins just really would it would basically be draining too much identity away from Death Knights for no real benefit to Paladins. Yeah. Thematically, it just doesn't work for me. Like, I have a Shadow Paladin. No, it wouldn't be a Paladin anymore. It just wouldn't be. It like be lore wise, thematically it wise, it doesn't. Knights. Yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't that doesn't sound right to me at all. I'm like that. That doesn't. I can't even wrap my brain around that. And I can wrap my brain. I'm willing to wrap my brain around all kinds of things, but Shadow Paladins, that's, it doesn't. Yeah, it's just unholy Death Knight. If unholy was more magical and less right. pestilency. Right. Okay. So uh, last question here is from Sinuria from Kelthazad who says, hey there, Watchers, quick question about the future of the Horde. It seems like the more it goes, the less and less reason the Horde as an organization has a reason to be. Thrall gave up the title of War Chief, Karen is dead, Garrosh is dead, and so is Vol'jin now. Even Lorthamar was considering leaving the Horde in Missa Pandaria before Jaina went cuckoo on the Blood Elves. Ironically, Sylvanas is probably the one thing that is keeping the Horde as a strong united force right now, and a lot of people seem to think that this is temporary, and that we will have to deal with her in the near future. So do you think the Horde will survive as a group in the long run? If so, what will be the reason for all those races to stick together, and which figure is strong enough and respected enough to bring back the Horde to what it was under Thrall? Thanks a lot, Merry Holidays, and Happy New Year to all of you, Scenaria. Well, um, I gotta say, if you think Sylvanas is gonna just go away when this is all over, you, you have not been paying attention to Sylvanas. I don't think she's gonna just go away, and I don't think she's gonna just get taken care of. Yeah, I don't think Sylvanas is going anywhere. Like, I really don't. Um, she's been the same Sylvanas ever since Vanilla WoW, and I mean, <laughs> she only keeps rising in the ranks. It doesn't seem like anybody in the Horde is actually opposed to her in any meaningful way. Garrosh was. <laughs> but yeah, and who did the horde turn against? Garrosh, not Sylvanas. Uh-huh. So um, I think Sylvanas is there to stay. The horde has been pretty clear that they they like what she's doing. Even if every now and then somebody's like Sylvanas, you're being naughty. She's like, who cares? And they go back to business as usual. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like, I'm I'm not even trying to make this is not a Matt doesn't like Sylvanas moral judgment issue. This is purely pragmatic. You, Sylvanas is the most experienced actual combatant they have left. Um, the only people in the horde who've got equal to or as mu- you know as much experience as Sylvanas are Lorthamar and Halderon, both of whom worked for her. Uh, that's something to keep in mind. The Blood Elves may not have a completely warm relationship with Sylvanas. Like Lorthamar and Sylvanas may be at each other's you know at each other from time to time, but he was her second. He worked for her. She was in command, and he did what she told him to do. Um, and he you know if you were Lorthamar Theron. You don't want to fight her because she knows what you're going to do. You know, he he knows full well Sylvanas Windrunner only lost to Arthas because they had a traitor opening up elf gates right in front of him. That was the only reason Arthas got through because of Dracon Dathir. He, he doesn't want to fight her. 
Calderon absolutely doesn't want to fight her. So there's the Blood Elves. They're going to do what they have to do to keep themselves safe. And that means keeping the giant undead menace right on their border, placated. The one that is led by somebody who knows their entire playbook. And uh, uh, Thrall being gone, Karen being dead, Garrosh being dead, Vulgin being dead. Um, and if there are no other strong leaders who have manifested from these groups... There's nobody who's going to oppose Sylvanas. There's nobody who's going to be able to, like rally the troops to break away from Sylvanas. Um, the Horde is in the palm of her hand. I don't think she's going anywhere. She is the only viable person in charge. And for game mechanics, uh, the Horde will always be there because it needs to be because Alliance for the, yeah. I think the interesting part to, to take away from this um, is that the beginning of Legion, the assault on the Broken Shore, we lost the last original Horde leader we had. When the Horde was formed back in Warcraft 3, it was Thrall, it was Cairn, and it was Vol'jin. Those were the three. And Thrall left, Cairn's gone, Vol'jin's gone. Sylvanas didn't come in until after Warcraft 3. And Lorthamar, obviously, they didn't come in until Burning Crusade. That's when they showed up. So The goblins were Cataclysm. And, and the go goblins were Cataclysm, Pandaren were Mist. So we don't have the original leaders anymore so it's like well what is the horde now and Vol'jin seemed like he was the one who was trying to define that when he had his whole rebellion against Garrosh because he knew what he felt the horde stood for and he was willing to fight for it and they won that fight and he got to stand in that role as leader and do absolutely nothing and then die so yeah, it's one of those things that has been kind of going through my head is how unified is the Horde right now, really? I mean, yes, they're all rallying under Sylvanas's banner, but the reason that they're doing it is because they want vengeance. And what does Sylvanas specialize in? What is she really good at? Vengeance. Once that's been taken and once the Burning Legion has been defeated, where do we go from there? What role does Sylvanas play at that point? And... The big thing, the thing that I'm wondering is that in Vol'jin's final moments, he said that the spirits came to him and they whispered a name and it was her name and that's why she has to be the leader. What else did they tell Vol'jin? Why did they tell him that? Was it just because in this instance, th this was the best idea? You know, uh, like what's going to happen after Legion? And I'm kind of interested in seeing what's going to happen with that. You know what I mean? Because no, it's I, just, it, they feel, they feel, the Horde feels like it's tottering around without purpose. Other than survival. Yeah, it's just brute survival at this point. Yeah. One of the things that I keep thinking about in terms of Sylvanas as leader after Legion is, let's assume for a moment that we deal with like the, the Legion and 7.3 comes, we go to Argus, we do whatever we do. And then for like 8 or whatever, next expansion, we're back on Azeroth. What does the Horde do at that point? Well, Sylvanas just had her dream destroyed. She can't get any more right any more valkyr the ones she has are the only ones she's gonna have unless and, she figures out another way somewhere between now and the yeah. next expansion but knowing her she's not going to focus on that immediately because she first has to make the person that did that to her pay the war between the alliance and the horde is now the war between the forsaken and, and the worgen and it's finally sylvanas now has a reason to prosecute it beyond they're going to attack us because they're mad about what we did to them now she's mad about what they did to her. You know what I mean? Like the, the things that happened in Stormheim gives her a personal vendetta against Yen. Yen had one against her. She didn't have one against him. She didn't care about him at all. I'm pretty sure that Yen kind of considers that debt paid off 
But she won't. Well, uh, and I mean, what he said in that cinematic where he said, you took away their future. Now I'm taking away yours. And then, you know, he walked away from it all. He was done. That was it. He, He had his moment and that was it. But she's going to find some way to strike back. Yeah, exactly. She's not, she's not going to let that stand, no. And that's going to be the interesting thing to watch is, are we going to actually have like a factional conflict where it's the personal vendetta between the leaders of the factions? That at least isn't makes it, it make sense. Isn't that what it always is, though? It really wasn't. Varian didn't have any personal grudge against anybody in the Horde. Uh, yes, he did. They killed his dad right in but front no, of him. Carved not, his heart out. Not any of the specific ones who were there. Yeah, yeah but he didn't care. He didn't care, but at the same time, it's it's one thing to just hate orcs. Yeah. And it's another thing to hate that dirty SOB over there. It, it's There is a level of personalization. Like, Varian was able to, like, you know, pull back. And, and even even in, like, Siege of Orgrimmar, he was able to pull back and say, I'm going to do this because I believe that as a leader I don't want to bring my people into full-on war. But... If it he'd took hated... him years to get to oh, that yeah. point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to argue against anything you're saying. I'm just saying there's a difference between I am angry at this thing that happened to my father and you did this to me. You did right there. And yeah. I, for, I, there's no way I'm going to believe that Gen is ever going to be satisfied with, with hurting Sylvanas unless he hurts her as much as she hurt him. And I'm, it's not possible for him to hurt her as much as she hurt him. Because yeah, she killed in, his son. In that context, I feel like if, if Sylvanas is like just actually just goes, I mean, let's be real. She's evil. Like she just is. Come on. Okay. But well. in this context, I think um, Sylvanas in this position, uh, if she just becomes like a loot pinata or gets killed off, uh, like because she went nuts like every other Warcraft villain, I think that's kind of a cop out. I think she's already at that point. But the thing with Sylvanas is she's generally pretty smart about what she's doing. You know, in the position she's been given with the world she lives in and the things she sees as slights against her or her people, I think the thing Sylvanas would do is try to remain war chief of the Horde as long as possible and use the Horde to achieve her goals. Yeah, exactly. She's not going to, you know, I don't think she's going to pull a Garrosh. Sylvanas's yeah. MO is, I have these resources. I have this thing I want dead or I have this thing I want to achieve. How do I manipulate these resources to get that? And in those terms, I think she's going to be in charge of the Horde for as long as possible. And she's not the type to use brute force like Garrosh. Garrosh was very straightforward with how he used the other arms of the Horde. And he was very straightforward about how he treated those other arms of the Horde. He didn't really mince words. Like, not at all. Sylvanas is the type where she... I think she's more clever than Garrosh ever was. And she knows that there are ways to get people to do what she wants them to do without mm-hmm. making them angry. Or even if she does make them angry, they'll be angry, but it, they won't be in a position to do anything about it. They either won't be in a position to do anything about it or their anger will be directed at anyone but her. And the thing about Sylvanas, too, is it's not that Sylvanas will never use force. It's just that when she pulls the sword out or draws the bow, she either she's up against a wall or she already thinks she's won. It's one of those things where it kind of goes back to the whole battle for the Undercity thing, where I always had that theory that Sylvanas kind of orchestrated the whole battle for the Undercity, like deliberately, because she wanted to get rid of Veramothris. And that was the easiest way to make that happen. That certainly is one possibility with her. That's the thing about Sylvanas. She is that crazy. The fun part is we haven't seen Veramothris come back. All the other ones did, but he hasn't. So if he shows up again, I'm sure he's going to have some 
choice words about our current war chief, and I'm kind of interested in hearing what those words are and what he has to say. Yeah, and and as a general reminder, because people always seem to gloss over this part, the the plague used at the Rathgate, Sylvanas had to make it. Yeah, maybe she maybe she didn't tell him to use it, but uh, that was not a rogue organization making this plague. Sylvanas totally wanted them to make a plague for her to oh, use. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you saw what happened with that plague in like Cataclysm. Yep. It's the same plague, and Sylvanas straight up ordered them to use it. She straight up said, as soon as as soon as Garrosh's representative left, saying don't use the plague. And the guy's like, so we're not going to use the plague? And she's like, idiot. Of yes, course we're, we're going to use, use the plague. plague. <laughs> what do you think I had you bring it here for? <laughs> I'm not going to have you walk it here and then walk it home again. Yes, we're going to use it. Um, and, and again, I, I think that's the thing about Sylvanas. That's why I think that Battle for the End- Undercity was just, it was a big orchestration on her part. Because she knew that she was kind of not necessarily trusted as one of the Horde leaders. And I feel like she figured if she put herself in that place where, oh, no, I'm vulnerable. Oh, no, they're rebelling against me. All of a sudden, she looks kind of weak. And as a result, the horde rushes to her aid. And then she acts appropriately grateful. And then all of a sudden, they trust her just a little bit more. You know what I mean? I wouldn't put it past her. Well, if it was her plan, it has worked brilliantly. It because has. Because she's now war chief of the Horde. Oh, it absolutely has. Because now she's like in a position as war chief, which is great and all. But yeah, I really, I want to see Varimathras come back. I want to see what he has to say about her. Because I, I just, I, he, he was with her for so long. Nobody probably knows her better than he does at this point. Because he was her advisor for so many years there when she was working with the horde he knew what she was doing behind the scenes the stuff that we didn't see he saw it all and he could just let it spill because what does he have to lose at this point nothing i don't know it's a fascinating prospect as far as the horde surviving as a group i think they will because they have to as alex pointed out it's part of the whole alliance horde there must always be an alliance and a horde that's just part of the game that's how it goes yeah well, plus i mean if you look at the very thing you're pointing out is a weakness the fact that they've lost all their leaders yeah is a reason they won't break up they need to band Cause together because there's nobody got... yeah there's nobody to lead them out like alex said there's nobody to rally them um who are we gonna like who's gonna rally the orcs right now who are our two main options itrig who is old as dirt and Sourfang, who is Who's older almost, than Dirt. Yeah, just as old, if not older. It, I think that they need somebody to step up and, you know, be that unifying figure. I don't think that Vol'jin was necessarily that unifying figure. I don't know if they had that unifying figure. Because the unifying figure really was Thrall. And the reason it was Thrall for so long is because Thrall was the one that brought them all together to begin with. He was the one that started this whole horde thing. So he had like a picture in his head of what he wanted it to be. And he led it in that direction. And when things started going south and he decided he needed to go do what he had to do, he left. And once he left, there wasn't a clear picture left behind. There wasn't a clear leader left behind. I mean, you can put you could put Garrosh in that spot, but he doesn't know. He was probably the least qualified of anyone he wasn't even from Azeroth. <laughs> and, and ultimately, like, a lot of alliances are just based on, does it make sense for us to help each other? Yeah. Like, on the, the actual alliance of World of Warcraft, uh, I mean, why do these groups help each other? Why are they why are they an alliance? Because it makes sense to work together. There's no reason not to. Yeah. 
They so live close unless enough together, they've done enough together. They're kind of there's united. Enough, there's mutual yeah. trade and so forth. Yeah. So I think it's less who does the horde have to unite them. It's more is there anybody dividing them right now? Not really. They seem pretty good, cool with what Sylvanas is doing. They're they're they okay with it. Support that. They don't so quite unless, know the extent of what she's doing. So unless somebody comes along to specifically drive a wedge, it just makes sense for them to be working together. So they'll continue doing so. Yeah. I kind of want to see Bane step up a little more, but I'm almost afraid to have Bane step up a little more because if he does, then maybe he's going to get the axe too. Yeah. He seemed to be pretty trigger happy with the, with the horde, the horde leaders right now. Horde They're leaders. dropping like flies. Bane, just stay back and let the people take the lead. But I, I'm a huge war, you know, stay back. No, you just, you just stay, stay back and it, it'll be okay, dude. It'll just, it, yeah, we don't need to lose him too. That would just make me really unhappy. I do want to you know, see... On the, on the topic of Bane, you know what else um, was lost when they removed Rathion from High Mountain? What? When you took um, What's-Her-Face High Mountain chieftain lady... Mela. Mela. Mela through her thing. Yeah. In Beta, when Rathion was in there, like, you took... It was her, but she, it was also Bane Bloodhoof and someone else. A pony Brightmane, maybe? A pony? Like, oh, they brought Torin the lead. leaders yeah, together. Yeah, well, she was the leader... She's the leader of the paladin... Kind of, well, the Sunwalkers, yeah. Yeah, so, like, it wasn't just Mela and Ebonhorn going through. It was, like, Mela, Ebonhorn, uh, Bane, Bloodhoof, and a pony Brightmane. There's, like, support. And when yeah. they removed Rathion, they also removed a pony and yeah, It took out any role Bane had, yeah. Well, technically speaking, I don't think it really... Well, I don't know, because I didn't get to play through all of those quests before they took them out. But... I would wonder, I, I would, I find myself wondering why Bane would be there because this is obviously ancient High Mountain tradition that far predates anything that Bane or his father did. I, I think, I don't remember, I did it once before they removed it. I think it was just like, hey, we met you guys and we're learning about you guys. Let's do this stuff with you and we'll help. Oh, okay. Then I that think. would work. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, on the one hand, I want to see Bane do, now that Anduin is leading in his father's stead, now that he is actually king of Stormwind, I kind of want to see him interact with Bane in-game. Because they did in the novels, and it was really good. Anyway, that's kind of beside the point. And I don't know if we answered your question really there, Scenaria, but we tried. <laughs> but that's it for emails today. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. This has been the 100th episode of the Blizzard Watch podcast. Do-do-do-do! Yeah, and we are going to buy a kazoo at some point so that the Kraken can play it. Uh, thanks, you guys, very much for making this possible, for supporting it, for listening to it, all that. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to say that. Uh, anyway, you know, we were here this week. We'll be here next week. Hopefully you'll be here, too. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.